Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody? February 20th edition of the Fightful MMA podcast post hashtag UFC Halifax, post hashtag Bellator 172, post hashtag what the hell did Derek Lewis say in his post fight interview and dissect that, that main event, the co-main event, all of UFC Halifax and, and Bellator is the managing editor for Fightful.com, Sean Rossap. Sean, where do we go with this? This has been a weekend. <laughs> oh, man. We went from a guy getting kidney stones to almost witnessing a guy being given kidney stones in the main event of this fight. This, ooh, there's a lot to unpack in that, that main event, isn't there? Well, Dana White tweeted afterwards, what do you say, poor job, Mazagati? Obviously, with sarcasm, and a lot of people didn't yes. realize that, obviously, with sarcasm, but obviously referring to Mario Yamasaki and his apparent uh, hatred for Travis Brown, because uh, that was bad. That was just like, oh, my goodness. That thing should have been stopped three to five punches earlier, uh, three for sure. But holy smokes, I don't, I don't know what he was thinking, not stopping that fight sooner. He was like, I'm going to wait until your mother can feel it, basically. I, like, he... You saw you saw Brown's eyes roll in the back of his head. That's it. Okay, that's enough. And these aren't just punches. These are heavyweight punches. And they're not just heavyweight punches. They're Derek Lewis punches. Or as Edmund would call them, punches. But, like, you got to be – you got to stop it. If, if we can see it at home and we can see that the fight's over, three to four, maybe even in the heat of the moment, who knows how many punches – Yamasaki's got to see it. He's got to be there. It's it's his job. That's what he's there to protect the fighter. And Travis Brown is not protected. What I got to ask you: Do you think this is the last of Travis Brown in the UFC? With the way that the UFC has been treating fighters who not only don't win but get paid quite a bit, I would say so. Yeah. Uh, the the only way I'll say no, uh, or or perhaps it's because it is the heavyweight division and it is sort of thin. Uh, so you may be able to buy one other fight from that. But yeah, with the amount of money he's getting paid and to, you know, 
to go out like that. Although it is the heavyweight division, we expect these types of finishes in these fights. So I'm not overly surprised. I mean, Derek Lewis was, um, you know, one spot above in terms of the rankings, although we don't look at those rankings all the time and, and appreciate them. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised yeah, he, if he does get released. He gets paid 120000 to show. Yeah. So I think, he's, I think he's long gone. And, and here's the thing. In the grand scheme of things, it's probably about right. It's probably what a guy should be making, if not more. But the UFC, if we thought that this was going to be the, the, the new ownership ushering in a change as it pertains to, to uh, fighter pay, it doesn't seem to be the case. Nikita Krylov apparently wasn't too happy with their contract. Misha Serkinov not too happy with it. Kyoji Horiguchi says, you know, maybe I'll just go back home and try my luck in, in Ryzen or one or, or anything like that. We've got, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know what direction this is going. There's, then there's the Bubba Jenkins release. There's a lot of weird stuff going on in MMA, Joe. Like, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about all this either, but uh, this show in particular, I think we've seen a lot of people for the last time. I think we've seen uh, Hector Lombard for the last time too. I think we may have seen Carla Esparza for the last time. Sam Cecilia. uh, Sam Cecilia. Lots of people, I think uh, they would be more happy to just go a cheaper route. Yeah, it's it is. I mean, it, it just there, there's been so much. There's been a lot of information that's sort of like circling behind the scenes about this whole the new regime for the UFC and how they're not happy and they're trying to make all kinds of money and there's going to be some sort of change in terms of how they're going to promote mixed martial arts there's going to be more cutting uh and then the whole you know the 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 article that I wrote about Viacom and and their parent owner uh there's some big changes happening in mixed martial arts in 2017 and a lot of it seems to be circling around finances man the finances in this game and in this sport and all the big people that are behind it uh you know, maybe they're not making as much money as they used to. Uh, although I know the World Series of Fighting, there was an article out that they received an infusion of about $25 million. I don't know what that's for, or what it's from. Uh, I, I don't know if I'd be investing in, in much mixed martial arts nowadays based on what's happening here. So unless they're, you know, the stock begins to, or, or a, you value a company, even though they're not public, but if you value a company's stock to be lower in your mind in, in hopes that if you do invest in them, that, that you're going to reap some sort of rewards. I don't know, Sean. Not in, in this day and age, things are changing, man. Yeah, and uh, Travis Brown is one of those guys. You wonder if maybe his relationship may keep him afloat. But I don't know, man. Like they let Justin Duke go, and that's one of Ronda Rousey's buddies. So I don't. I don't think that matters. I don't think that matters. And they may be operating on the assumption that she's never going to fight again anyway. That's so correct. whatever that's she does, upset correct. them. Yeah. Now, about that fight, I thought Travis Brown looked much better than he has in recent fights. He used kicks, and somewhere Edmund was screaming, No, kicks! Why? Why? Who throws kicks? Well, he didn't. He looked really good, and he almost liquefied uh, Derek Lewis's liver with those kicks. They were very effective kicks. They were really good. You heard Derek, or Derek uh, Lewis's corner in between rounds saying, you got to stay out of clinch range, or this fight's going to end. Um, now this is all just a build up to the real main event which was Derek Lewis's post fight speech but I I thought that I thought that a couple of things looked different his his stance Travis Brown's that is a little bit closer not that big wide one that we used to see that wasn't effective at all but 
ultimately, man, if you get hit by one of those big heavyweight hands, you're going to go down no matter who you are. And that's been Travis Brown's downfall. It has been. I mean, it, to, his striking today was far more proficient, especially, like you say, with those leg kicks. And he was landing. And he was landing hard. He was landing smart. And he was also being patient. And, and people were like, why aren't you going in for the finish? It's too dangerous versus a guy like Derek Lewis. So I think he played it smart in the first round. What he didn't do smart in that second round was allow Derek Lewis to tee off on him when he was against the cage as opposed to using his footwork. Because uh, he was actually – and he, he pushed him off a few times, right? Push him off. Just get away from there. Uh, I know you want to – I don't know if it was an eagle thing to try and – feel what kind of power the guy actually has. Can he actually knock me out? Oh, you know what? He's not hurting me. He's connecting, but he's not hurting me. That stuff catches up, man. And even the fight, even the punch that dropped him didn't even look like that much of a punch because it sort of looked like it grazed the forehead until mm-hmm. they showed the um, the, jib, the jib shot, which is the overhead shot, and you actually see the connection there. Uh, but that usually doesn't knock guys down. It's chin shots that usually knock guys down uh, or something that would snap the neck a little bit. Uh, and then he went in there for the finish. So good on Derek Lewis, bad on Travis Brown for not using his footwork when he needed to. Uh, this was a 25-minute fight. It was scheduled for a 25-minute fight. So, uh, you know, I was expecting more from from Travis Brown to at least try and get this into the third or fourth round, if possible, to see if he can sort of capitalize on that. But doesn't happen. Ends up losing horrendous stoppage uh, or just a late stoppage. Uh, you know, from from Yamasaki. Scary, very scary. scary that, that kind of damage is is it's not just career changing. That could be life changing. I mean, that could just speed up whatever damage you know Brown could have incurred over his career all in one fight. You know, it's just it's it's scary to see that kind of stuff there. Uh, but I don't think Derek Lewis made any fans afterwards. If you made any fans mm-hmm. afterwards, it's the it's the the yo-yos or the the guys that hide behind a, a profile because I don't mean you you calling out a guy's girl. After you beat him up, I mean that, and on national television or international television, ooh, I don't know, Sean. That was a little much. I mean, he did bring up the uh, domestic abuse allegations of Travis Brown. That's yeah, going to be a hit or miss. You're going to have those people, you know, where it's a hot and cold type of situation on social media. Some people thought it was great, other people didn't. I get the feeling that a Dana White won't appreciate that so much. And that's the kind of person whose side you probably want to stay on. Look like, at Brian Stan. Brian Stan in the interview was like, uh, uh, like I can't, I can't wait to this yeah. thing, right? Ends. So, yeah. Yeah, that was an incredibly uncomfortable interview for Brian Stan. And, it, and he should have been uncomfortable. You, you can't say – you shouldn't say stuff like that. I mean, you can because he did. But that's, that's not going to do him any favors. This win could have launched him in a title contention. I don't think it will now. I think Francis Ngannou would get that shot before Derek Lewis would now because Francis Ngannou doesn't get on the mic and say stupid shit. Uh, Jimmy Van asked me to give him a list of five up-and-coming names who uh, are interesting on the mic who, you know, we may be able to look at to write or do podcasting down the line. Derek Lewis is one of those names. One of the five I gave him. Derek Lewis is off that list now. Like, yeah, he had asked me to, you know, if I knew him, sort of thing, on, on a personal level to to discuss. I said, I, I don't know him. Maybe I'll reach out to him after this fight here. It's like here's the thing: would that drive traffic to the site? Yeah, probably. But is that the type of attention that we want as a site? No. Well, I I love him as a fighter. I don't think that he thought that it was as malicious as it was. And it, to be honest, I wouldn't be surprised if he apologized. He should. But, yeah, I want to know, was your reaction to that first Travis Brown kick the same as mine? Because as soon as he landed it, I was like, damn, that's trouble. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was a fantastic. hard kick. Yeah. That was a damn nice kick, and I was like, oh, yeah, he switched camps, didn't he? I think he only went to Black House. I mean, Frank Trigg said he went to Black House for just a month, but he can imagine if he was there earlier, right? Things would have changed big time, yeah. right? But then he was at Whack House. Yeah, so, I mean, it, it is what it is, but... I think, I think you're right. We may have seen the last of Travis Brown in the UFC, unless, of course, he, he's, he's able to buy one more fight because it's divisioned that doesn't have much depth. So, uh, But, yeah, there's so many changes True. happening in the UFC. Uh, I wonder if it's the end of Hector Lombard as well. I mean, Johnny Hendricks, Johnny Hendricks didn't look too bad. I mean, obviously, he had tons of energy. Um, he, he, there was a couple times when Hector Lombard landed those punches where Johnny was like, okay, yep, I'm in a fight. I can confirm mm-hmm. I'm in a fight right now. Uh, but, hey, man, he emerges victorious. Uh, I don't know about 30-27, 29-28 kind of made sense. Uh, I could see it 30-27, but uh, I, I don't know that Johnny Hendricks will do much more in this division. Um, th- there are gar- guys for him to fight, uh, but once he gets to that top upper echelon of this division, I don't know, man. You don't really need to look much further than the post-fight interview. That's two middleweights standing right next to each other, Brian Stan and Johnny Hendricks, and Brian Stan dwarfed him. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Yep. Made him look tiny. Now, will will that maybe play into his favor in some things? If he employs wrestling, it might. He might be able to get his hips underneath somebody a little bit easier. That may be a benefit that he didn't necessarily always have at welterweight. Lombard started to like get frustrated and hunt, try to hunt Johnny Hendricks down. It just didn't work. Johnny Hendricks had a really nice inside game. He threw some good knees, I thought. There were some uh, interesting spots of this. Like, when's the last time you saw Johnny Hendricks excited before a fight, much less in between round two and three? Like, jumping and energetic and like Jesse Spano from Saved by the Bell on speed, like, just jumping around. (laughs) Like, you don't see that. And he had that little flicker jab that was playing uh, to his his favor a lot. There were – it's the best we've seen him look in a long time, but he's coming off a three-fight winning streak. And I think this very much – was a loser is gone situation, and I really I think if Johnny Hendricks would have lost, I think he would have retired. I think he just would have called it a day. I believe so. Yeah, I think uh, even after that, I think he realized that this is his last shot um, for a final or some sort of run in his career. Considering what happened at welterweight, he was the best in the world. Um, he was the last guy to fight George St. Pierre, uh, take him to the distance. Many people thought he won that fight, uh, including yours truly, uh, and then loses the title and then goes on that horrible slide and. That was pretty much it. We thought he was done. And he says, nope, I'll try middleweight and does this. So uh, if he'd have lost this, I think you're right. I think he would have hung up the gloves, but did what he had to do and emerged victorious. Hey, he's, there, there are a host of fights for him in this division too. Vitor Belfort, uh, Derek Brunson might be a good one. Uh, Uriah Hall might be a good one. Don't match him up with like Kelvin G- Gastelum or, or Talis Latest though. I don't, I don't want that. Nobody wants that. There's no way that would be good. Uh, Sam Alvey might be a good one. Like there are some, there are some, there are some good names there. I was gonna say Tim Boge, but his contract's up. He ain't coming back. I don't think that's gonna be another one, another top fifteen guy that's gonna be gone off those rankings. So, yeah, I think I, good win for Johnny Hendricks because he had to win because he's been of that mentality. He, I mean, he's threatened to retire so many times recently, but hasn't done it. And I think that he would have been gone had he not uh, won this. Now. Hector Lombard is a guy. I, do you think that a Bellator would want him back? I was thinking about that throughout the fight. As, as, as I, we were getting close to the end of the fight, I'm thinking, well, where does he go from here? Because I know he still wants to fight. I know he's got that drive. I know he's got that hunger. Bellator is the first option that comes to mind, realistically speaking. Uh, although he does 
you know, have family out in, um, has got a child over in, in Australia. Uh, so obviously, you know, me, me being the Ryzen guy, obviously I'm thinking Ryzen. Yeah. Uh, that'd be something good for him. If Bellator doesn't want him, I'm sure Ryzen would be more than happy to take him. Yeah. And I would imagine Ryzen's going to go after Horiguchi as well. They should. I mean, Jesus Christ, why wouldn't you, uh, just put, put some eggs into that basket. Cause he's in his prime right now. Like he's, he's really, I was shocked that the UFC let him go. Yeah, the Lombard situation is a very interesting one because oh, Bellator do you think doesn't take him. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. You're about to say it. Horiguchi? No, no, no. Lombard. Uh, I don't know. It depends on who's still around from the le- from when he left. So I, I don't know what kind of terms he left on per se, but yeah, uh, he'd probably fit right in. You you throw him in a co-main event, and that'll help. That way which we'll talk about later. <laughs> that way you don't have to rely on the Pitbull brothers to main event every single show that you run in Bellator because that's always, that seems to have, I don't know how these guys, how the Pitbull brothers main event every show Bellator does, but they manage to. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, one guy that could be going to Bellator, Sam Cecilia. Uh, he had a rough time against Gavin Tucker. Oh, yeah. And Gavin Tucker, I mean, I kept looking at the right next to the score clock where they have the weight, uh, weight division. Uh, and I was like, is that featherweight or bantamweight? Because this looks like a bantamweight fight. This Gavin Tucker uh-huh. kid is looking fantastic. Nine and zero comes into the UFC, makes his octagon debut, improves to ten and zero with a fantastic performance. Thirty twenty seven on all three cards. I mean, just looked. It was having so much fun out there, and I was thinking to myself, "Well, this guy's gonna have to fight tougher competition." I'm like, I don't care who it is. I want to see it. I do too. He looked like he looked like uh, somebody to watch. Now the thing is. People are thinking he's some fiery kid. He's 30 years old. He's fought once in the last, or not once in the last three years, but he fought once over three years. He lost some time, and I get the feeling if he had, if he had been able to stay more active during that period, we would have been having this conversation a long time ago. Cecilia said that he was going to put Tucker to sleep early. He did not. That is actually not what happened. Tucker was cutting a lot of angles that really confused Cecilia, and Cecilia was just overmatched. Yeah, that's exactly and what it was. Just oh, that, That's really all it comes down to is he was just overmatched. And in between the second and third round, I want to know how you thought about the corner advice. The corner said, suck it up. You're going to have to get hit to give a hit. Yeah, Sometimes you do have to do that, though. right? Sometimes it it's just that theory. It's just like, you know what? Dude, nothing's working for us. This, we're, we're, we're 10 minutes in. Uh, we're down 2 nothing here. We got to figure this out, and if if you can't take him down, and you can't score first, you can't land first, you can't beat him to the punch, you can't beat him with the timing, you can't figure out that distance. You want to keep fighting? Yeah, it's a phone booth fight. Let's go. Uh, Derek Lewis is right now on the UFC post fight show with a toy UFC championship, cutting a promo. Whoever's watching, someone's watching that. Make sure you hit Sean up, Sean and I up with that. Uh, we'd like to hear what he's going to say there, but who knows what he's going to say? I, I mean, I personally would not put this guy on a microphone, uh, other than if it's on pay per view or if it's online. I would not put him anywhere near a television microphone. Oh man, no, I'd imagine that he's he's had a pretty solid talking to before that. Um, yeah, I, I would imagine somebody immediately went up to him and they said, "You watch, you watch it." Uh, I'll go ahead and I'll pull up this picture, though, <laughs> so you can see it. This is 
what I see right now on my television. My goodness. Yeah, he's got the toy UFC championship. Man. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, somebody let me know what he's saying because obviously I can't listen to it. He says that he says that he feels like an interim champion. <laughs> wow, he's got Mark Hunt, Francis Ngannou, Brandon Rothwell, Junior DeSantos, Alistair Overeem, Cain Velasquez, and Fabrizio Verdum ahead of him. Uh, that's that's pretty good. Cool. That, that's a one eighty. That's pretty solid. Who doesn't feel? I feel like an interim champion. <laughs> Don't you? Oh my God, this guy's out of control. Well, I'd rather him say well, that. What he did Let's in, talk in, about in Elias. Cage. Elias want to fight tonight. Well, Elias is probably going to get some criticism from a lot of people considering this fight sure. here. Now, yeah, a one judge, they gave it to him 30-27. I don't believe he won 30-27. No. I, I mean, if you want to give Elias the fight, 29-28 does make more sense. Uh, but he's going to hear the flack. He's going to hear the slack. He's going to hear everyone saying this guy's focusing on too many things outside of mixed martial arts than he is training for mixed martial arts. Now, for those that don't know and haven't paid attention, Elias Theodoro has a style that is extremely awkward. Cajun Johnson on the Ultimate Fighter here up in Canada when they had the Ultimate Fighter Canada versus Australia it was called Tough Nations. And they said all the Canadian guys, when they would spar with Elias during training, they could not figure this guy out because nothing that he does makes sense. Everything that he does from the punching, from the kicking, from the combinations to the takedown entries, it just doesn't make sense. But for some reason, he's always there. He never goes away. He's always putting the pressure on. So it doesn't. It may not look pretty uh, to, the, to the technical eye or the trained eye for most people that are watching mixed martial arts, but he does get the job done. Now, in this fight here, he was in trouble uh, versus Caesar. It, it, was, it was a difficult fight, uh, and I could understand if people thought it went 30-27 or 29-28 the other way. But no matter what, Elias got the victory. He still emerges victorious. He's going to move up the rankings. And it's just a matter of figuring out what, he, what he's going to do next, both inside the octagon in terms of an opponent, and what about the stuff outside of it. And to be honest with you, whatever he's doing outside of it, Sean, I don't think he's going to stop. Yeah, I don't think he's going to stop either. And he tried to, he tried to justify it, saying that he's got to keep his mind busy. Cesar caught him right out of the bat with probably the best shot of the entire fight, like within the first five seconds. Unfortunately for Cesar, that's about as good as it got. He had a couple of attempts, uh, a couple of submission attempts, but I don't know how much danger Elias Theodoro was actually in. Yeah, Theodoro has some weird striking. Like he'll throw back fists with no spin. Like he'll just come at you with like a chopping style. There's nothing wrong with that. It's ugly. It's ugly as hell. But I mean, it can confuse somebody. It can land it, and it, yeah that, that can land Ferrer, i think i think ferrara knows that his chin is suspect and that's been proven time and time again but he's crafted a style around that to where he doesn't have to worry as much and that showed in this fight i thought elias he telegraphed a lot of his kicks i thought and, and it really showed when he when cesar actually swept him with that kick yep but then it's almost like as soon as elias as soon as Cesar took his back, it's like Elias knew he was out of the woods. He's like, all right, I'm going to peel the arm here. I'm going to drag him to my corner. Not even that. Even sh- before that, I'm going to stand up. I'm going to walk yes. into the cage, and then I'm going to slide down the cage, and then he's going to start playing the one, two on one, two on one. I was like, holy smokes. Clockwork. Yeah. Clockwork. Like, you could tell he this this was something they probably trained in camp. I'm sure you'll talk with Tim about that Tuesday on the Fightful MMA podcast, but – that's just like, man, and 
the size discrepancy here. That that had me a little worried for Elias. And, you know, got to stay unbiased as much as we can, but Elias, you know, he works with us. Guy works with us. The size discrepancy was huge. Do, do you think Elias expected that? Did he speak about that on any of the prior podcasts? Well, he knew about it. Yeah, he knew about it. He knew the height difference as well as size cooled it. It was big. Yeah. I was shocked. Yeah. I didn't I didn't expect it to be that much. And I was out of town. I didn't get to see the weigh-ins last night. I was in Indianapolis, so I didn't really get to to witness that. You brought him a cake and uh, I saw that. He sort of wasn't too happy with that. Well, that's he wasn't he happy with it. He just wasn't expecting it. He just wanted to focus on on just nose to nose and get out of there sort of thing. So why did he bring him a cake? It was his birthday, was I think, birthday. a couple of days ago, yeah. Really? That sounds that's a wonderful thing to do. That's <laughs> what we thought. That's, what a <laughs> that's lies. He does crazy, he does crazy stuff like that. He's just trying to be nice, and uh, I don't know if it backfired on him, but whatever. And he's just kind of like, dude, I'm just trying to be nice to you. I don't know why you're upset. And he's trying to, hey man, everything's cool. Nope, I don't like you. All right, I'm trying to just give you cake, bud. Well, this caps off a pretty solid weekend for Fightful. We had Fightful Wrestling Pro Series uh, members Jason Kincaid and Matt Riddle. They faced off Friday. First ever Fightful versus Fightful we've ever had, unless you want to go back in time and do Pearson versus Riddle. But then Saturday night, Riddle went to Rosita, California and won a big tag team match. Then tonight, he was in Illinois again and defeated Michael Elgin. But then Jason Kincaid also won a championship tonight at that same show. Uh, One of our former... uh, well, she still does podcasting here here and there. Trina did the ring announcing there. And, of course, Elias won all over the place. All over the place. But uh, congrats to Elias. 65% of the media and the fans had him losing that fight. I don't – and I'm, this is void of all bias. I don't know how he lost the fight because I don't know how you give that third round to somebody for unsuccessful submission attempts. Now, you are uh, much more learned in the – scoring criteria than I how much does that weigh that should weigh uh and, that, and that's why you could potentially give that two rounds to one uh to Caesar because when Mudanti takes the actual back and actually puts Elias in a defensive position you're now swinging the 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 it's almost like a meter that we have in our head where it's basically saying okay now this guy is strictly in a defensive position he's forced to defend uh and if, if that's the only thing we can judge on that's what we have to judge on so that's why I think people were like, wait a second, he took his back. What's what's going on here? But the fact is nothing got done. But what did Elias do from that position other than defend? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So well, that, I mean, that's he, basically he, when, you, when, you're, when you're breaking down a round, you can – so there were times when we were breaking down rounds uh, like minute by minute. So you've got you know 20%, 20%, 20%, 20%, 20%. It's a five-minute round. One minute is 20%. Two minutes is 40%. And you can start doing it by minute or you can do it by situation. So you look at a situation when two guys or girls are, are just you know banging away, throwing bombs – who landed the bombs? Who landed the punches? You look at what happened in the first round with Travis Brown um, and Derek Lewis. As soon as Lewis started grabbing his gut, hey, we got a situation here where a guy's in big trouble. There's a there's a fight potentially ending here. That meter swings so far over right now to Travis Brown that Derek Lewis has to do so many different things to bring it back or do something so massive that he would cause the fight to potentially end to sort of bring it all back into the middle. Then you go back to the small criteria uh, of what needs to be calculated. Interesting. If that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. That makes that needs to be explained to people. 
Yeah, it's that's some. I mean, this is why I had the conversation with so many mixed martial arts fans, Sean, and and people that have been watching the fight since like or since watching the UFC since like '93. You know, pre Ultimate Fighter days, pre whatever you want to call it, and they still don't know uh, how to judge mixed martial arts fights. What they see happen between two guys or two girls is what they think how someone looks damage or who la- that big punch that landed in the first round that split a guy open doesn't matter what he does rounds two and three four and five no like when you look at the uh, the dan henderson michael bisping fight if you actually did the math and scored it round by round and not what henderson did to bisping early on you will quickly realize michael bisping won that fight Yes, but people absolutely. can't they can't digest that because they see Michael Bisping looks like he got hit by a truck. He literally got hit by a handle bomb over and over again. They think, well, that happened in the first round. It doesn't carry over. Once that round comes to an end, that's it. Those cards, that 10-9 or whatever, or 10-8, is taken out of the judge's hands and handed in. It starts fresh yep. in round two, three, potentially four, and five. Do, and people don't do you get prefer that. the 10-point must system versus the old pride method of judging the entire fight? I like the old pride method for sure. Yeah, I yeah. like the old pride I method. That just tells me exactly who won a fight, man, because it just there's things that go up and down. But I understand the 10-point must system because someone has to win, right? And let's just calculate it, let's score it, and then we take it from there. So I don't mind either one with the old just, pride. What's that? I, I hate the idea that you could – just mollywop somebody in the first round. And then for the next two rounds, we could stand face-to-face, me and you, and look at each other for four minutes and 59 seconds, and you slap me one time, and we're even now. Yeah. Yeah, totally get it. Totally get it. Uh, Let's move over to Sarah McMahon. I mean, I have people were, were... Yeah, no, no, I hear you. I hear you. Look, man, people were praising her in just crazily on social media, and I was like, she was going to win this fight. She wasn't losing this she fight. Was supposed to do. She did it. Yes. And I know it only took seventy-four seconds. I get that, but that's Sarah McMahon, you know. And it wasn't like she yeah. was fighting a rematch with Ronda Rousey. It wasn't like she was fighting someone, uh, you know, way up there in the rankings. She was fighting a young lady that came in and made her octagon debut on short notice, and showed up overweight. Here, here were a few things I took from that. I think that. Given the skill level in this division, and I'm not knocking like saying it's a low skill level, but as it pertains to grappling, a lot of it is. I think she can work her style. Even though she's 36 years old, she could probably work that for a while. Uh, She's got a good jab and great wrestling. A good jab and great wrestling in this division right now could probably keep you a top 10 fighter for a very long time. Uh Mazzani didn't have a chance. And she I don't I don't know what she's been through like in her life or her career because yeah, I don't know a lot about her, and there's some curious gaps. Like she didn't fight for four years before, like uh, she she got a she fought a couple months before the Ultimate Fighter, but didn't fight for four years before that. Then after the Ultimate Fighter, she didn't fight for like three years after that. So there are some curious gaps there, but she took this fight to get in the UFC, and she did. Sarah McMahon, <laughs> she I think she can be a contender, and if she can stay consistent and fight in the cage like she wants to. The one thing I noticed is that she disrespected Mazzani's skills so much that, like, on that takedown, McMahon's leg was inside on that, and that usually would lead to, like, an E-bar, but she was like, no, nah, I don't give a damn. Yep. I, this girl's not going to E-bar me at all. And set up the head and arm choke and did exactly what she should do. 
there are a lot of people, a lot of the women who helped form like the support of this division, like her, like like Kaufman, who have had some questionable. Either, either they've had made some questionable decisions themselves or had some people giving them questionable advice like on who they should, shouldn't be fighting, accepting fights, turning down fights, whether they should promote fights or not. I think that uh, people like, like Sarah McMahon, they're going to have to play ball or they're going to be canned. They're going to be just cut. That's just how it's going to be. If she said that, if she said what – like if she promoted a title fight – like she did against Rousey under this management, and then she lost, they'd probably just cut her. They'd probably just send her packing. Like, they don't – isn't it crazy? Like, we we thought that the old regime was ruthless and savage. True. Right? Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It is kind of strange, though, because there was a time when Sarah McMahon was almost anti-anything the UFC was doing. Uh, and it seems like it just, just lately she's just completely flipped the script. Um, it, it, this was something we had talked about, not you and I, excuse me, that I had talked about on my on on, on the TV show a while back. And I was like, I don't, I, I kind of respectfully disagree with her because I, I, I did an interview with her, a sit down interview, with her, and she, I, I was just like, I, I almost fell in love with this beautiful, just gorgeous teeth. And she's just, oh my gosh, she smiles and she warms you up. You know, she's a mom. She's just the coolest girl ever. And then a couple, but a fight or two later, I'm seeing interviews with other outlets where she's saying, I don't care what the UFC wants me to do. I'm not promoting nothing. If I don't want to fight, I'm not going to fight. It's not about the money. It's not about this. It was was something of that nature. And I'm like, Oh, that's, that's, I think, I think some people got in her ear. Yeah. I I think you might know who who those people might be. And I do too. And it's, and I mean, when you see those people speaking on her behalf on social media and really ripping apart the UFC too, like this is why she should be upset. This is why she is upset. I'm like, damn. Okay, well, hey, if she keeps winning and she wins like this, that's cool because there are not a whole – I don't think there are a lot of people in this division that she will face that can stop a an Olympic silver medalist wrestler of her, like, Amanda Nunes can. We know that. We know Misha Tate could. We know Ronda Rousey could. But Ronda Rousey and Misha Tate aren't around anymore. And she's got to build her way back up to an Amanda Nunes. Uh, she's won three in a row. That's a hell of a start. But, man, getting getting beaten under three minutes, she's going to have to do a little more work. And she, she, she said that she was ready to do that. She said she was going to fight again. So, um, hey, we'll see. She's lost to Nunes. She's lost to Misha Tate. She's lost to Ronda Rousey. She's never fought Holly Holly Holm. She's never fought Jermaine Durandamy. You know what? Holly Holm's probably a bad matchup for her too. If if Holly Holm uses that strike, that tap and run style, and uses that footwork, that could that could be something. But hell yeah, you know what? Move her up to one forty five. Well, Cyborg's back, so Cyborg's can get that fight. Yeah. Yeah. So what, that, uh, I want to ask you this: What do you make of the the Jermaine Durandamy run, running from Cyborg, quote unquote, thing? Uh, on, on the on the pretense of being a married man, when my wife asks me a question that is going to get me in trouble, <laughs> considering you're the person that just asked me that question, I'm not even going to give you an answer because I'm, I'm just going to agree with whatever you're going to say, anyways. Like, I don't understand it. She accepted fights with her at UFC 201 and 208. She said, yep. hey, I'll get the hand surgery, and then I'll fight her. 
I mean, Chris Cyborg is traditionally the one that's turned down that fight. And I joking, I may have jokingly said that she ducked Durant to me, but she had ducked Durant to me. She didn't want to make weight. She couldn't make weight or she didn't want to, whatever it was. I think it's a hell of a fight. I think it's a good fight. I don't think that Cyborg maybe has ever fought anybody of her quality or Holly Holmes, maybe Marlouz Coonan. That's it. You want to know what's interesting about Jermaine? Uh, when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Jane Durand to me, though, as I looked through her record the other day, she has three losses. And those three losses, one of which is against Vanessa Porto, who just lost in her attempt at the Invicta Flyweight Championship. She lost to Amanda Nunes, who is the UFC 135-pound champion. And she lost to Julia Budd, who was about to contend for the Bellator 145-pound championship. Just an interesting, like, and this dates back to 08, so it just shows you the array and, like, what some of these women had to do to get fights and to keep their careers afloat. Because Vanessa Porto should not have been fighting women who would go on to fight Chris Cyborg. Correct. It shouldn't have happened. Correct. Yep. And Vanessa Porto won the fight. So, hey, there you go. How about I, Paul Felder? Well, before we get to Paul Felder, just to, just to verify your point, there, there was a time even for, for guys in mixed martial arts, one of my instructors oh, yeah. who at the time could have been one of the best flyweights in the world uh, was a lightweight champion. Canada. He was fighting guys at 155 pounds. He just couldn't fight. And he, could, he would show up there like he would be eating on the scale, weighing in, like <laughs> jeans on or whatever and shirt. It's just like, you know, like, dude, you got to take your winter jacket off. Like, you can't, you can't weigh in with that. He takes his jacket off, t shirt, whatever, is eating away. And like, lucky if you made 140 pounds. So, like, it just, it was, it was crazy. Um, but yeah, there was a time when, when even guys had those problems, but it just goes to show you that for the women's side, it's, it's still developing. It's still taking time. And we're talking about, a uh, you know, there's a champion, Jermaine Durand me with a division that's got one contender, two contenders, <laughs> yeah. right? So it is what it is. But like you said, Paul Felder, lightweight, there's a division there that's got numerous contenders. You can have a top 40, uh, in that division there. He takes out Alex Ricci, uh, in, in devastating fashion. I really liked what he did there with the elbow uh, as Alex was coming in and he's able to just block him and then just follow up. I thought that was absolutely fantastic. And it just feels like an old David Loazzo move because David Loazzo used to do that to me all the time in, in elevators. You see, we were just like, <laughs> we're idiots. Like, I mean, Dave's an idiot. I'm an idiot. Didn't matter what city we were in. We'd always somehow get into some sort of scuffle. He'd pick on me and I'd, you know, 
trying to defend myself, which was a joke anyways with him. Uh, but he would always bang, bring up that elbow, bang. And I'm like, Dave, you're going to hate me one day, man. I'm on TV. Stop. Right? No, no, no. We'll be fine. I'll get you stitches. I'm like, you can't do that, bro. So it works. That's a technique that actually works, and we saw it tonight. I loved his use of the spinning back elbow early in the fight, too. That was sick. Also, he did – it almost looked like a pro wrestling running forearm. Like he jumped and threw his forearm elbow at it. It didn't land, but – Ricci was throwing two, and I didn't think that was the best game plan against a Paul Felder. Paul Felder does have underrated grappling, too, though, but no offense to Ricci, but he's not a finisher, and Paul Felder is, and Paul Felder finished. It's really about the extent of that, but, yeah, that was a beautiful finish. That was just – and uh, a good win for Paul Felder. He's, he's an incredibly underrated person in, in that division. Uh, Richie's a, you know, I wouldn't say he's a friend of mine, he's an acquaintance. I've known him for a long time. Uh, I do feel terrible for him. Uh, but this is this is the fight game. It's the hurt business, and there are times when I have a difficult time watching some of these guys compete. There was one right there, but you and I talked about it. It's Paul Felder, right? Can't slay an Irish dragon without a sword, bro. Yeah, Paul Felder is a bad, bad dude. So is Nordin Taleb at 170 pounds, but he made a... Probably the best name in mixed martial arts, Santiago Ponzinibbio. Um, <laughs> that was just it's the type of name you read in romance novels. Yeah, but that, that Elias Theodoro is on the cover of. Exactly, exactly. Uh, Nordine started off great. First round looked fantastic, and then Santiago just took over. Man, uh, I like that calf kick that Talib was using to catch the opponent off balance. I thought that was that was good. Ponzinibbio was was like chasing him down instead of cutting off the cage. And Talib's footwork was like night and day from like the first time I ever saw him fight. That third round, though, it was back and forth, back and forth. But Ponzinibbio got it. Got it. Uh, it really depended on that that third round to me. But that was that was a close and that was a hell of a fight too. I loved it. That was a great fight. Solid scrap, back and forth. Those guys were giving it all, man. I loved it. Yeah, but Talib, I, I thought that was the real story was how much Talib had impressed since the first time I had seen him. I think maybe in Bellator. Did he fight in Bellator? I think he did, yeah. Let me double check. That. And I remember back then, I was like, I remember thinking, like, why am I watching this guy fight? Like, uh, that, that was at the point where I would make jokes like, cops is on after Bellator. I'm much more likely to see an MMA prospect on here than I am Bellator MMA. And I, I feel like. Like since then, you know, that ain't the case, but he's 35 years old. So it's one of those situations where you better improve or you better get out of the UFC. And he's done that. He's won, he, before this, he had won four of his last fight, five fights and came in there and knocked out Eric Silva. So yeah, I, I think that it, he looked well, but it just wasn't his night. It just wasn't his night. And Talib's won four, or not Talib, Ponzinibbio's won. I think four in a row, six out of his last seven. I think the only person that's beat him in like the last three years is Lorenz Larkin, another guy who the UFC let go in their top 10, <laughs> of course. Oh, God, yeah, yeah. Of course. Interesting. It is, I mean, it's. Just, I think it's going to get crazier, Sean. I really think it's going to get crazier. Uh, it, it's not going to we'll get be better. About this a lot. We'll be talking about this so much. Carla Esparza. Like, Carla Esparza. Have we seen? Maybe the next one. 
yeah, have we seen the end of the line with Carlos Barza? I mean, she, Random Marcos takes her out, split decision. Uh, and for those that are saying Carlos Barza won that fight, I, I'm, I'm with you. I could buy that argument. For those that said Random Marcos won at fair and square, yeah, I could see it that way as well. Um, but man, Carlos Barza wins the ultimate fighter, becomes the champion of the world. Gone. She's going to be gone. Yeah. I've got a lot to say about this one because, I mean, Carla Esparza made herself look terrible on that show. Like, yeah, I just remember that that little high school thing where she's, like, standing next to somebody. I think it may have been Brandon Marcos, and she's like, maybe she doesn't like you because you act like a bitch, and storms off. I was like, what are you doing? Why would you do this? Now, she won the title. That says something. And a lot of people will say that, well, she's a former champion. She's a tough winner. Yeah, she didn't fight for a year after she lost the title. She didn't fight for almost a year after that. And she didn't fight for almost a year after that because she turned down big fights. That can't look good to the new regime. Passing up a fight with Claudia Gedalia. That ain't, that ain't a way to endear yourself. Saying, oh, I would really like a tune-up fight. Now, do I think that tune-up fights should happen more? Yeah, but... They're like, well, here's your tune-up fight. We'll give you random Marcos in Canada. Good luck. Have fun with that. Uh, I was all on board with Marcos getting this decision, even though that, even though uh, probably would have leaned to Spars, and I'll tell you why. It's that illegal knee at the end of the fight in which nothing was done about. There was no warning. There was no point deduction. That was an egregiously bad illegal knee. That nothing was done, so I feel that's that's sweet MMA karma. As it pertains to the body of the fight, Marcos came in with that low stance because she didn't want Esparza to shoot on her. Uh, at the same, to, to play devil's advocate, Marcos was doing this an awful lot with her fingers, and I, that has to stop. She can't do that. That's also illegal. I loved when... Uh, Marcos looked for that inverted triangle and used it to like get Esparza's back. Then started to throw hammer fists, like awesome. from from the Gary Goodridge position. Yeah, she was just throwing hammer fists, and I was like, hey. I was actually hoping she'd bring her elbow over and try and do it, but she wasn't. She, it wasn't the right position. But yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Why do women get in such weird positions in MMA? Is it skill? Is it something physical? It happens a lot. You're right. No, I concur. I concur. It's, it, gets, it gets so awkward at times. You're like, well, okay, move, move. Like, what's going on yeah. here? Come on. Just sit out. There you go. You're, you're up. You're up now, and you probably got a rear naked choke, too. Uh, Esparza tried that, that head and arm choke, but Marcos did a good job keeping her in half guard. I thought Esparza's boxing looked a lot better, but she still she still needs work, obviously. She, she lost the fight, ultimately. And then on Twitter, did you see the Twitter war that started? Negative. Negative. What happened? The, the tough 20 Twitter war over the anti-bullying comments. You had Felice Herrig and Angela Hill and everybody's complaining. Like, bully? We're not bullies. She's oh the bully. And I was like, ah, oh, damn it. There we go. High school stuff. This is the feud I didn't want. I didn't want this. I, I mean, I watched that show for the fights because you, you put on Ultimate Fighter for a title. I'll watch it. I'll watch it every day. But yeah, this was this was uh, Randa Marcos. I'm glad I'm glad she won because that, that knee, like Asparza, shouldn't have thrown the knee, and the ref should have been there to 
do something about the knee because that's the type of that's the type of foul that and punches after the bell and stuff like that that you gotta call you gotta call that it's been a rough weekend or two weeks for for the ufc man back to back undermining they're undermining like the same the sanctity of even officiating it's very frustrating Correct. Well, Mano Marcos emerges victorious. Carlos Barza, we, we may have seen the last of her. Um, I was going to say her bully ways, but that'd be a cheap joke. Um, she's mm-hmm. probably gone. Uh, who does emerge victorious, or who did emerge victorious at 135 pounds, was Eamon Zahabi, who I was very nervous about heading into this because I just didn't think Sure, he you had, were. Yeah, I didn't think he had the in-cage, in in-ring experience just yet to get in there with a guy like Reginaldo Vieira or at least in the in the UFC because I just want to see Eamon get tested a bit more uh, outside of the UFC. Well, he got tested tonight uh, and there was one thing that I thought that was, oh boy, because he was when he decides to tee off, dudes are in trouble. He's got a lot of power. He's got uh, a lot of power. He's very he's strong. He's extremely precise, but for some reason in this fight, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, and I'm not going to text Faraz about this just yet because I'll probably wait till Tuesday to see um, if he has a chance to see the fight. Just Eamon was able to get that distance perfect, but his head movement wasn't there, and he was getting tagged. He was getting hit quite a bit, uh, and it was all stuff that he didn't really need to happen. He didn't have to get hit that much, but my goodness, when he decided, you know what, I don't want to get hit anymore, and I'm going to start teeing off on this guy – just looked beautiful. Looked absolutely fantastic. Yeah, he really shut down Vieira's takedown game. One of the things I noticed, like I, I watched his fights leading up to this because I wanted to know, you know, what I was going to be watching for. His head movement, I think maybe it left as he increased his volume because he was not, he didn't seem like a high volume striker before this. And tonight he was. He stepped that up, but that head movement kind of went away with that. But still, as you mentioned, he's so precise. He's so accurate. Like, and like he doesn't have the head movement, but he is so accurate. I don't want to throw out crazy comparisons like Conor McGregor, but it's a lot like that. Where Conor McGregor will keep his head on the center line, but he'll reach out and throw that. And if it lands, you're like, damn, that's heavy. Now, obviously not as heavy as a Conor McGregor, but I thought he had a great showing. And even after the fight, he said, you all wanted to see me get tested by a guy who had 20 fights over 15 minutes, and I did it. You can't ask for much more out of that. He, he got to he got 15 minutes of footage to look at. He got, he got 15 minutes of footage for Frost to look at, which may be, might not be a good thing from, from what he says in interviews. Thing. It's the worst thing for Eamon, <laughs> trust me. Worst thing ever. Yeah, from what he said in interviews, that's the worst thing possible. But, uh, opt- uh, hey, you know what? I don't know that it could have went much better for the UFC in Canada tonight, could it? Elias um, wins. Eamon wins. Uh, who's the new guy? Orlando wins, obviously. Um, Gavin Tucker emerged victorious. There you go. So I think Gavin stole the show. Yes, he did. You know, uh, he, he looked absolutely fantastic. Really want to see where he goes from here. Uh, obviously, it's a it's a pretty busy division, uh, but there's people getting cut, so. He could be, you know, ranked number eight tomorrow morning. We don't know. Um, uh, let's just Very move true. down here uh, to the back to the middleweight division, Elias's division. Tiago Santos, man, holy smokes! Anytime Jack Marshman fights, I want to watch because it doesn't matter what happens in the fight; it's going to be absolutely freaking fantastic. Uh, the guy's an absolute monster, but 
it was Tiago Santos's night tonight, man. He just he survived and, and just did what he had to do, and second round pulls off that uh, crazy finish. Yeah, Elias losing to him isn't looking so bad these days, is it? No, right. What did you think of that finish? A lot of people thought it was too early, but in that situation, I'd rather it be too early than too late. But Tiago Santos, you better believe he needed a win tonight because he lost to Eric Spicely and Gegard Musashi back-to-back. He would have been gone. Yeah, yeah. It's going back to that three three, lose, I, three losses, you're gone. It's going to be two losses, yeah. you're gone now. Or you yeah, and I, and I just I do say, you know, that, that loss that – Elias loss isn't looking so bad now. Well, tonight it's not. Before it kind of was. So yeah, he's he's he had to win, and he did what he had to do to win. And hell, of, hell of a finish. Yep, well, hell of a finish was uh, Gerald Mishart over Ryan James. Ninety four mm-hmm. seconds with that armbar. That was quick. That was sick. That was quick. It's really all you can say. And isn't James a black belt? I think he's a black belt, and he just caught – he got caught sleeping with that beautiful, like, switch of the hips into the R bar. I saw that, and as soon as you see those hips switch, you're like, well, this is done. That was beautiful. Before he even really locked it on, he switched those hips and pulled it out, and I was like, damn, that is magnificent. I'm just getting a, a Frank Mir flashback when he made his octagon debut against Roberto Treven, who was a black belt. I think Frank was a purple belt at the time. And I remember when, when Frank grabbed his arm, yeah. we were all like, yeah, whatever. He's going to get out of this. Pop, 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 tap, tap, tap. We're like, what just happened here? No one defeats a black belt. <laughs> That's what it was back in the day. No one ever defeated a black belt, but <laughs> is what it is. Um, anything else you want to talk about this card here before we, we quickly uh, take a look at that Bellator card? No, I'm just I'm pumped for UFC 209, which we'll be talking about in the coming weeks. Yeah, that's going to be a I'm still upset that you know the UFC has an event called UFC 209, and the Diaz brothers aren't main event and co-main event. But I digress. They wanted they wanted him to. Yeah, that's what I was told. I was oh, really? Told they wanted them to. I was told they 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 really wanted him to. That's why that's who that's. I think that's what the Woodley Diaz fight was targeted for. Was this show? Oh wow! That's what I was told. That would have been perfect. He has turned it down. Huh. All right. Um, Bellator. <laughs> Fedor. I was so excited oh, to man. see him fight. I was so excited to see him. Not so excited to see him fight. Mm-hmm. Just wanted to see if he could actually take out Matt Mitrione and have people thinking, hey, you know what? He's got a bit left in that tank. He's looking pretty good. Um, that fight didn't take place. What went through your mind when you got when you saw the headlines that, nope, that fight's been scrapped? So over the last like two or three years, like I think I've only missed like really three cards. This was going to be one of them, like cards that I needed to cover. Uh, the the card of the Royal Rumble, the UFC Denver show, I missed it, and I also missed uh, UFC one seventy seven. Do you remember what happened at UFC one seventy seven? I'm looking at my passes. Here, here, here's a tip. Here's a tip. It was UFC one seventy seven. Dillashaw versus Soto. Yep, that was the last UFC event that I ever covered live. That was oh, yeah. That was on my birthday, so I skipped it. And I was like, "Damn, I'm gonna miss something special." That show had such. Uh, it had eight fights. First off, it had Yancey Medeiros, Damon Jackson, Ramsey Nijem, Carlos Ferreira, Danny Castillo, Joe Soto. These are this is the pay per view card. Pay per view card. Needless to say, I didn't regret it. Last night, I was going to miss the show because I was visiting a friend in Indianapolis, 
I did not regret missing this show when uh, I got the news of Fedor. Now, I can I can definitely sympathize with Matt Mitrione. I've had kidney stones, Ooh. and it is the worst. Not only that, when I had kidney stones, my manager at GNC said, no, you can't go home. Turn around the be back in 15 minutes sign, pass it, and come back. Did you fight him? I couldn't. They would. That lady would have whipped my ass. At that point, I had a kidney stone. Gotcha. Good point. She would have just hooked and pivoted and bam. You would have been done. Cooked. You would have went down. And they tried to find Fedor a replacement fight. Chael Sonnen offered to step up immediately. Of course. Why wouldn't he? (laughs) Why wouldn't he? Um, What do you make of Fedor not accepting a fight? I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised at all. Uh, no, not at all. He's just remember this is a guy who's from you know he, he doesn't operate on the frequency that you and I think or that most you know MMA fans may think. He's just no, the fight's done. Uh, I, I haven't trained for anyone. I'm, it's it's hard to say, but I'm not surprised at all. I'm not surprised at all. Yeah, that's a bummer. I hate that. I really do. I wonder how many people got the refunds because this was only announced 45 minutes before the show. Yeah, not crazy. Because by law, by law you can have to. But refunds number one, you could technically cancel the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of commissions that have it written. If the main event is lost, you may have to cancel the show. So that, that was a mess. It was gone. So the main event ended up being Josh Thompson against uh, Patricky Frede. Um, of course it was. Yeah. The Pitbulls main Pitbull. event everything, as I mentioned. Somehow this is this is Patricky Pitbull's third straight main event. Did you know that? No, I didn't. But now that you tell me, I'm just thinking, yeah, you're right. That's crazy. That he is main crazy. evented against Kevin Souza once. Huge fight. That was huge. Giant. <laughs> it changed Italy forever. Changely forever, and then he. <laughs> and here's Bellator, the thing: Bellator, Bellator, Bellator. I, I, I don't mean to laugh, but it is. It's comical. I don't well, mean to laugh and insult. Here's why I'm particularly. Here's why I'm particularly hard on that, because I get an email, and I love Bellator's press department. There is no better press department that I have ever dealt with in MMA, pro wrestling, or boxing than Bellator's. Without a doubt, hands down, they're the best. Maybe Access TV. They do stuff pretty well, too. I get an email the other day that says, April 21st or something, Strauss versus Pitbull 4. I saw that. And my reaction is, huh? What are you talking about? Well, like, wait, wait a second. What was the last fight that Daniel Strauss had? Oh, that was in 2015 against Pitbull. Well, what was the last fight that Pitbull had? Well, that was last year when he broke his leg off of uh, what did he, he tore up his leg on Ben Henderson's shin or something? How does this fight get made? How does this happen? Well, I don't know. I I feel like the rapper Pitbull will main event a Bellator show before the end of the year. I'm convinced. Or I'll show up there with the shades on. You could do that. You could do. It. You need a tan. You yeah. need a better tan. Yeah, yeah. I'm getting this. This Canadian weather's killing me, man. I can't. You're wait. much more talented. You're much more talented than the real Pitbull. Yeah, without yeah, a doubt. I, I take it you're not a fan. I'm not. 
All right. I don't blame you. I hear about it all the time. I, I, I don't mind Pitbull, to be honest with you. Uh, but How the Pitbull that we are speaking of, or one of the Pitbulls that we are speaking of, the fighter, uh, took out Josh Thompson in the second round. Uh, I, I was impressed. I was impressed. Or was it a case of Josh Thompson just going, I got hurt. I want out. How much of that do you think had to do with the headbutt? The headbutt was nasty. Nobody's fault. It happens. Josh Thompson, I thought, even though he, he was surging, he surged a little bit in Bellator. He's won two fights in a row. He didn't look the freshest at the, like, midway through the first round. He looked. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. So there's a bit of fatigue there. That headbutt, though, to answer your question, a lot had to do with that knockout. That I thought so, too. Uh, I, I don't know that Thompson would have won otherwise. Like I said, he was looking kind of tired, like midway through the first round. Um, I think Ole Thompson looked fresher than Josh Thompson after a round, and that's not good. But, uh, yeah, big win for Pitbull. Great. Give him a lightweight title shot again. Why not? Uh, I don't know if you want to talk about the Czech Congo. Ole Thompson. <laughs> Check Congo but, ground and pounded him for three round or last two rounds did what he had to do. All right. Uh, Check Congo's two hundred and forty three years old. Two hundred and forty three years old, and he now here's here's what I want to talk about more. So really, he's forty one. He'll be forty two by the next time he fights. What was the point of stripping Vitaly Minikov of that title? I don't know. I don't. <laughs> let's look. Let's just go back in history. Ben Askren left. Screw your guy's title. See you later. Hector Lombard, screw your title. See you later. Cole Conrad, I would try to dig him up out of whatever Wall Street. He was at a Titan event. He was cornering at a Titan event. Was he? Did he still train? Yeah. I think he was. I forgot who he was cornering. Pretty sure I saw him. I went to get a comment from him, and he just looked at me, and I was like, all right, I'll talk to the other corner guy. You're not a happy camper. He trains with Brock Lesnar. That's the kind of company Brock Lesnar keeps. Mm-hmm. But nobody wants to defend their titles. Carvalho hasn't defended since the second quarter of 2016, and it was in one of the worst, most boring MMA fights of all time that they run that they tried to run back, mind you. Uh, Strauss hasn't defended since 2015. They got, I remember a few years ago they had a strawweight champion, and they let Zoila Grigel at the time, Zoila Frosto, go. I would imagine they're going to build a title there, but hey, guys, if you don't want Josh Thompson versus Pitbull as your main event, put your titles on somebody. Make them mean something. And then put title clauses in your damn contracts. That way people can't leave. I don't know. Josh Koscheck didn't look terrible until he got knocked out. When he held that, when he held his face, I was like, "Oh no, his orbital again." I felt yeah. bad for him. Yeah, legit, I felt legit. horrible. But even in my breakdown for for FightfulMMA.com, just the fun bets, I was like, "Guys, don't sleep on Maurizio Alonso. Do not sleep on him. This mm-hmm. guy can win via knockout or TKO." Just think about this for a second. Kostic hasn't done anything in a very long time. Hasn't won in a very long time, and he looks shaky every time he gets hit in the face. That GSP oh, fight. He- Right, like, he did the be. He was doing the bewitched nose shake and stuff, and I was like, "That's it. He's he's gonna be done when you're doing this." Yep. That's that's a telltale sign. That's Sorry, right up again. there with. Do it again, Sean. I won't talk. Like this. That's right up there with this one. For the the international, I just got hit. Yeah, uh, and Koscheck played Alonzo's game the whole time. 
I didn't get it. Like, uh, and they were saying it during commentary. Like, where's the double? Where's that crazy double? Yeah. He needs to get this double, and he just wouldn't do it. Didn't do it. And then I, Alonzo had a lot of range on him. I don't know if it's if he didn't if he couldn't get inside if he didn't feel confident in getting inside. You know, much like that Travis Brown that that first kick, the first right I saw Josh Koscheck throw. I said, "Well, that's still there. That looks nice." Uh, so he had that going for him. I think he'll fight again. Uh, well, I don't. I don't think he will. I don't know. I don't know. It depends. What have they released anything about what happened to his orbital? Because I've been completely out of the news loop. No, I, I, I personally haven't seen anything. No. If he broke his orbital again, I don't think he'll fight again. If he didn't break his orbital, I think he will fight again. You think so? Yeah, I think he will. <laughs> They're paying him a lot of money. <laughs> They're paying him a lot of money. I don't know, man. I, I remember when Josh was with the UFC way back. I mean, I, I think this was actually before the GSP fight. Maybe, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was before the GSP fight. We sat down after an interview, um, half an hour, and we were just talking about like investment advice and just doing this and talking about all kinds of stuff. And I was like, this guy knows what he's talking about. He's got money. You know, I know mm-hmm. he's with Sinking Entertainment, and they got money, and just uh, the people that are around them. And I'm like. This guy may never have to fight again. This guy fights because he loves fighting. Now, unless he lost some money or that something's going on, like I don't know what's going on, but there was a time I thought Josh Koscheck, he could walk away from the sport whenever he wants. I mean, I, I might be wrong. I haven't sure. talked to him on a personal level in a very long time, but there, this is a guy that I don't I don't want to see fight. You know, this is like the it's 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 worse than the whole BJ Penn situation. Like this is not somebody that I think he's lost six, lost six in a row. But I think I just think he'll still fight. Oh. I do. And some of the upcoming main events for Bellator. McGeary versus Fields. If you want to know who Fields is, I'll let you figure that on your own because I know you don't know, guys. Uh, Coonan versus Bud. I, I'm okay with that because it's for a title. But when you got Gertz Gonzalez as the co-main, well, I'd say Honeycutt versus Grove might end up being the co-main. Rampage versus King Mo. That's cool. And they don't have anything else announced. They got Dantes Caldwell. That's a good one. Strauss Pitbull 4. That's a terrible one. That's a stupid one. <laughs> and then in May, they got Pitt Daly and McDonald and Page and Anderson. That's a good, that's a good one. Uh, don't know about giving Michael Page a guy who's coming off of a loss. That's stupid. I don't, I don't understand, Joe. Like even, even tonight. The Brown Lewis fight that was puzzling booking. Well, they you got a guy who's won like five, out. five in a row against a guy who's lost three in a row. I don't get it. I'll be I'll be saying that a lot too. I don't get it. I don't get it. You're right. What was the original main event for the card here on uh, for the UFC? Dos Santos versus Struve. Also puzzling. Why are you running that one back? Are you mad at Stefan Struve? Like, did he piss you off or something? Why? They're having too many events, Sean. There's just too many events. Cut down the events. Cut down these dates that you're having fights. That's why you're cutting down the roster. Less we don't events. have one next week. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And there, there is, I looked at the schedule, and I told my wife, and I was like, you're not going to believe this. Period in a couple of months where there is not a show two weekends in a row. Now, I didn't look at Bellator's show. I'm sure that's the night that King Mo is going to take a snooze against Rampage or something. But 
you know. This is the world we live in, Joe. Yeah, it is. Well, you know what? Nice little break. A little bit of a break. And then uh, we'll take it from there. We'll see what's up. Break. Anything else? We sound you miserable. What's that? I said we, we probably sound miserable, don't we? No. No, I, I absolutely love, uh, you know what I'm saying? But to get those two weeks, it's Saturdays with the family, man. I'm not complaining. I'm not going to complain. Yeah, but true. it's going to be a busy week, obviously. I'm going to have Elias talk about his fight. Uh, Frank Trigg, the, the normal 1230 time slot, will be just kind of move forward. This guy's got to drive the in-laws to the airport across, hopefully, some warm weather uh, in Toronto here, not across the, the, the city in snow. Uh, I've got Robin Black tomorrow. Robin Black should be fun. Maybe breaking down some fights or just talk about a whole bunch of stuff with Robin. Uh, obviously, Elias. Obviously, Sean Pearson. Um, yeah, it's, it's going to be an interesting week for sure. Uh, what do you got going on this week? Monday night after Raw, I'm with Alex Pawlowski talking uh, Monday Night Raw. Tuesday night with Jeff Hawkins, we're going to talk SmackDown. We're also going to talk the passings of George the Animal Steel, uh, the Russian Bear Ivan Koloff, and Nicole Bass. I thought that show was better suited for that. We have a little more time to do that after SmackDown. Wednesday, I'm with the eccentric millionaire himself, Jimmy Van. We talk pro wrestling. We talk behind the scenes of Fightful. Thursday, I'm with Matt Riddle. For those of you who uh, are not registered to Fightful.com, that show we left open this week. That way you all get a little taste of it. He responds to uh, his controversial Triple H comment. But if you register, you get early access to that and the Shane Helm show, which is now also open to non-members. Yeah, lots of stuff going on. We're gearing up for WrestleMania. It's going to be a big month. And uh, yeah, we got a lot going on. Fightful.com. By the way, guys, Jason Kincaid, a member of our Pro Series, won a championship at Glory Pro, which is Michael Elgin's promotion. Go check out his writing on our site. It is unbelievable. Well, that's Joe guys stuff, too, I guess. Whatever. My stuff's terrible, ladies and gentlemen. You could read it. <laughs> I don't mind if you read it. It'd be nice. You, know, it's, it's, you might lose some money. Yeah. yeah. Was I bad this week? No, I think it was pretty good, actually. I, I think I had a good week this week. very good this week, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I, when I put those together, I have so much fun, to be honest with you, Sean, because I just sit there and I'm like, I don't care if I'm right or wrong, but damn, if this comes in, that's a lot of money in people's yeah. pockets right there, right? So I'm yeah. hoping we can eventually tie it in with Draft Beast and like make it the official, the official betting guide of Draft Beast. That way we can have people, whether they win money or lose money, they're just all up in your mentions like, I lost my rent because of you this month. Wouldn't be the first time, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, God. Yeah, I've had so many people. I used to say on the TV show, live across the country, man, millions of years, and I would say flat out, don't take my advice, <laughs> but I got to talk about it. Here you go. So, anyways, that's pretty much a wrap there, Sean. Anything else you want to talk about? That's all I got, guys. Fightful.com. We have seen amazing growth lately. Subscribe to us. YouTube, iTunes, Stitcher. All of our podcasts are also available via direct download. Just go to our podcast section. Whether you like MMA, pro wrestling, boxing, one or all, like you can divide. We've, we've made it so simple to divide them if you like it, to keep them together if you like them. But we've got results, exclusive interviews, backstage news, uh, those podcast features we got everything that you could ask for in an mma or pro wrestling site we've interviewed people in the past like cm punk daniel cormier chris cyborg muhammad hassan chael sonnen tons of people come to fightful.com you guys
And there you go. Make sure you follow him online via social media at Sean Rossap. Make sure you come back here tomorrow for the At Fightful MMA podcast. Yours truly and Robin Black. We will break down what happened in Halifax and get all your questions in for Robin as soon as you can. And we'll, uh, we'll throw some stuff his way. For now, thank you to everyone who has tuned in. To those tuning in afterwards on Stitcher and iTunes and the downloads, we thank you very much as well. As always, FightfulMMA.com for all your mixed martial arts news. Ciao for now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This country was built on a distinctly American work ethic. But today, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and diminished our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make a variety of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more. All made right here in the USA from growing the cotton to adding the final touches. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs for seamsters, cutters, and factory workers in towns and cities across the United States. And it's about more than an income. Jobs bring pride, purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20.